wedding season is upon us and we're talking history of wedding traditions, like wedding dresses. The first ones were not white and how the bouquet was meant to mask the bride's body funky odor smell. Why diamond rings? Get all the wedding history on this episode of Technically a Conversation. Super friends, welcome to another episode of Technically a Conversation. Here, we like to share an interesting topic or story with each other, which we've recently learned and hope you find it interesting too. I'm one half of your hosts today, Isela. Joining me as always is the ever fun Jose. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Pretty good. You had a very eventful week and weekend, I hear. Um, Yeah. I mean, you know me, I'm an introvert and I like staying home, so... That's usually my preference, but you know, it's nice to get out every once in a while. You know, so that was fun as well. I know what you mean. How about you? It was, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. It was kind of sad. One of our friends of the show has moved from El Paso onto Bigger Pastures, Dallas. The Janster, we shall miss you, but always <laughs> in our hearts, of course. <laughs> Definitely. I feel like I haven't recorded with you in ages. Ages, I know. I'm like, how do we do this again? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Who are you? Just kidding. <laughs> well, before we begin, I think we should shout out to all of our lovelies that are still sharing our posts. We see you. We love you. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. Yay. Well, what season is it, Jose? It's the dog days of summer, as the kids say. It sure is. And it's also wedding season. That's right. According to a study by TheKnot.com, summer and early fall are the most popular times to get married, which kind of makes sense, I guess, right? This seems to be like the best chance of a like, nice day for a white wedding, right? <laughs> it's like one of those things. I wonder if he still does the lip curl. I think he's going to do like a, a door again. <laughs> anyway. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he has like the lip filler and Botox and shit now. So maybe he can't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he can't feel it. <laughs> Last month, I already went to my first wedding. Can you believe that? Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was outside too, but it was really oh. beautiful. I have to say. <laughs> Congrats, April and Esteban. It was, it was actually really pretty and it was in the evening. So yeah, it was like kind of like calmadito. It was kind of nice. Congratulations. Yes, yes. If you were to get married, uh, what would you want to do like a full out wedding or a destination wedding or just like justice of the peace? What would you do? I can't see myself getting married, but if I were to do it, well, you know me, I'm a little crazy. So I would want to do my <laughs> wedding on Halloween. Oh, yes. And I would want it to be a costume party. Yeah, I would want a themed wedding for sure. Some kind of crazy ass. That would be really badass. If you do get married, please invite me. I will have my Freddy Krueger, like, gloves ready. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you would probably be my best man or best woman or whatever if I do get married, so. Yeah, your conciliari. <laughs> your relationship conciliari. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, but I think that's what I would do. And, and it would actually be something small. I wouldn't want anything big. You know, maybe just a justice of the peace and then just have everybody over and Enjoy the day with us. I wouldn't want to be stressed out about bullshit. Yes, they seem so stressful. I saw 
some people go through it. And I was like, oh, God, no, thank you. I really love the way my brother did it. You know what he did? He had a really small, intimate engagement party with the family. And then they did like a wedding in Vegas, just them two. Oh, oh nice. I was like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. And then actually, um, my brother from another mother also did theirs in some cool Caribbean island by themselves. Oh, nice. I was like, fuck yeah, get the... Get it in, like, at the same time, right? Like, the honeymoon and get it in. That sounds really bad. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but you knock out two in one type of thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell did a justice of the piece, like you were saying. I would like to keep it small, but I know that I wouldn't be the only person making the decision. And more likely than not, I would probably be overruled. So that <laughs> probably wouldn't be what I would end up doing. But if I had sole decision-making in the process, that's what I would want. No, I, I personally would want something really small too, kind of probably the way my brother did it, like small little intimate family thing, and then just go get away somewhere and just do it there. Go to Vegas and get married at the Sphere. The Sphere? Oh, that new Sphere looks so bomb. Everybody's talking about it. I saw a video. Oh my God, it looks so fucking cool. It does. I saw the video where they made it look like the moon. <gasps> yes. And I'm not going to lie, it was a bit arousing. <laughs> I don't know what kind of philia that is, but yeah, that's very interesting. Planet philia. <laughs> yeah, that is very, it looked so amazing. I was like, oh, I want to go up there and just like try to hug the big moon or something. <laughs> they already booked the first concert. It's going to be you too. Oh, that's a great opener. That's going to be fucking cool. I heard a lot of people were pushing for your fave Tay-Tay to be the, the inaugural concert or whatever. That would be really cool, too. Dude, she's amazing. Like, yeah, she gave and she was like the the American Vicente Fernandez where, you know, how we sang <laughs> for hours. <laughs> I can't even believe that you're comparing Tay-Tay to Vicente Fernandez. I went there. Just watch. It's going <laughs> to she's in it for the long haul, people. Well, she kind of already has been. <laughs> anyway. True. But yeah, it's going to be you too. That's very cool. Would, uh, going back to like the weddings and all that stuff, would you want your wife to take your last name, hypothetically speaking, if you did get married? Mm, I'm kind of weird about that. You know, when I was younger, I did, of course, because um, I guess I conformed more to like the social norms back when I was younger. Okay. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, you know, she's like her own person. Like, she's not my property, you know? So yeah, yeah. she shouldn't have to take my name just because it's like the, the traditional thing. I mean, of course, if she wants to, I'm not going to fight her for it, you know? But um, like, I would be okay with her keeping her own name. What about you? Would you take your husband's name? No, I don't think so. I, I personally really love my name. I have really come to love my family. And I feel like it kind of means all of that for me. And I don't know, I'm definitely a daddy's girl. Like I'm still really, really close to my dad. We talk almost every day and, you know, I, I feel like that would be just completely changing my identity. But I know a lot of people that have changed their last name and I think it's really wonderful that they do it for their own reasons too. Yeah. And another reason also is if they were, like if their name was part of their brand, like if they were like an author or some type of acting or a writer or something like that, I wouldn't want them to change their name either. Just because, you know, that's the name that they, they're known for. That's very fair. Yeah, I thought it was weird when um, Salma Hayek did hyphenate her name. So now it's like, I don't know. It's like a weird hyphenated name. I was like, what? 
Who's that? <laughs> I think I still know her. I didn't even know she was married. Oh, yeah. She's married to like a gazillionaire or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she did some movie with Tiffany Haddish and they ended up going to a concert together and they became like kind of close friends. And apparently there's a rapper and his name is like Gucci Mane or something like that. And that was one of the people that they went to go see. And she couldn't understand what his name was. So she was asking Tiffany. She's like, Gucci, Gucci man? We have, because she's like, we have a mascot? Because her husband owns Gucci. Oh, okay. So she was like, we have a mascot? What's this? You know? <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> so all these questions tie to weddings, of course. And history of wedding dresses has been on my ever-growing list of episode ideas that I've wanted to research. Like I had mentioned before, it's like a... Dead Sea Scrolls <laughs> of like <laughs> lists. <laughs> and uh, we're going to get into all the topics of this Rihanna umbrella of weddings. We're talking history of wedding dresses. We'll touch a little bit on the history of the flower bouquet. Who even said diamonds had to be the stone of engagement rings? Seems so arbitrary, right? Like, why not a ruby or an emerald? You know, or like Prince's song. If I gave you diamonds, not pearls. I'm just kidding. Um, I know that's not the way it goes. <laughs> and then also, why did that tradition start of the women taking the man's last name? And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't include, why did marriages in general even start? We're tackling a lot. We're coming in hot. How do you feel about it? Oh, that's a good thing I have my air conditioner on. Yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. This might be like one of the Barbie episodes or the history of heels where you're probably not the target market, but I still know that you appreciate some interesting history in general. So brush those luscious locks of yours. Get out your tuxedo. <laughs> because this is the History of Wedding Traditions episode. I'll be like our buddy Jamie from uh, Stories Podcast and bust out the comic book and just start reading. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I would feel a little rude, but I, I understand because he was talking with some other people. So yes, absolutely. No, I'm I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I don't even mind even if you file your nails a little bit, as long as you're listening. <laughs> All right. So since there are a lot of topics, as you can tell, I had to read a lot of articles and they'll all be in the show notes. So I won't be kind of listing them out as we go. Let's kick it off with a natural place to start the beginning. How did the idea of marriages come about? We don't know exactly when it started because it goes back before recorded history. But what we do know that it wasn't because two people couldn't imagine life without each other. <laughs> <laughs> Anthropologists believe families consisted of large groups, as many as 30 people. So basically like our large mix of families, right? <laughs> Most likely what we're talking about is like the hunter-gatherer days. It was a couple of male leaders and they had multiple women that they shared with the men. So sounds like polygamy to me. <laughs> Sounds like a good time, actually. Oh, watch out. Yeah. It's like a nonstop party. <laughs> the first recorded evidence of marriage celebrations or ceremonies is about 2350 BC in Mesopotamia, which is where Iraq is today. It really started out more of an allyship between the families. Some odd marriages or alliances really are carried out within the families. So, like, cousins would marry within the family. And one article said that it's still actually common in the Middle East for cousins to marry. Did not know that at all. In Asia, there were ghost marriages where a child would be married off to a dead child of another family. 
This goes back about 3,000 years in China. And the reason is twofold. One, to strengthen the alliance between the two families. And two, so the deceased is not alone in the afterlife. This used to be between two deceased also, um, but in recent times, still in China and Southeast Asia, it is between a deceased and a living person. What? And it also helps with population control. I guess that could too, but that's kind of weird. I don't know if I would like to be married to a spirit. <laughs> it's weird, right? I don't know. I mean... It is a little strange, yeah. Yeah. But I, I understand how nice it is. Like, hey, but when you pass away, you'll be reunited with somebody. That's, I guess, comforting. <laughs> yeah, but if you never met him, how do you know if you're even going to like him? Right, exactly. Ugh, I don't know. And then do they age? Am I going to be married to like a little kid? That's weird. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that's definitely not part of the script. Okay. <laughs> In colonial times, marriage was still more of a contract. So basically more for economic reasons, but throw in reproduction too. So kings took on their brides to reproduce an heir. And then there they would have alliances between two countries. Queen Victoria married off her children and her grandchildren into royal houses all over Europe. Again, trying to keep the cash and if anything, really kind of, you know, building alliances. So like these two countries don't get in wars and stuff like that. So it makes sense, right? It's kind of um, strategic, I would say. Yeah, it seems diplomatic. Yeah, for sure. Interesting fact here. And by interesting, I also mean shitty. But hey, it's history. So that's par for the course. <laughs> Men could dissolve a marriage or take on another wife if the woman was infertile. Thankfully, someone with some good sense came in and stated, marriages are not based on kids. This practice of annulling marriages is basically silly and had to stop. Score one for Christian church in history. Weird. Wow. But wait, they also later stated, solely directed at women, of course, if you can procreate, you must not refuse to procreate. Marriages can be annulled if a woman refuses to sleep with her husband. So, uh, scorekeeper, please deduct a thousand points. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks, right? Marriages in a church also started around 1500s, and uh, this was still more strategic alliances. As Americans, we tend to associate arranged marriages with India, but it is important to note that not all marriages in India are arranged. But those that are, are arranged are a really good example of like, you know, these two families coming together and they love each other and like, hey, let's kind of form a family together type of thing. A union based out of love didn't really start until as recently as 250 years ago. So this brings us to about today. One in eight Americans still believe in marriage. Since 2009, marriages have declined by 45%. Can you believe that? I can believe it. That's one in eight Americans? Okay, are you one of the eight or do you still believe in marriage? Where are you at there? Well, I consider myself Mexican, but <laughs> but in spite of that, I still have a lot of friends and uh, you know a few cousins that have never gotten married. So um, that's why it doesn't seem unusual because I feel like it's something that... I don't know if it's maybe just something from our generation because we're we would be categorized, I guess, like late generation X, maybe like early millennials. So I think with our generation, we I, I feel like we're very cynical, and I feel like a lot of us grew up in divorced families. So I think that just because of that, it makes us more hesitant because we kind of saw like the um, aftermath of our parents or 
maybe like the parents of our friends and our cousins and everything, we saw what that happened with that dynamic. So I think that we're more inclined not to get married and not to put, you know, kids or to put yourself through that. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I know someone who does not want to have kids because of what they went through, which I completely respect. And I think sometimes you don't know if you're going to pass on those generational things that have been unwantingly passed down. So I, I completely get that. Yeah. Those are my reasons too. Yeah. I I still believe in marriage. I think it's beautiful when it works out. So to whoever's gonna, you know, get married, like, absolutely go throw the dice and I hope it works for everybody. But you know, it doesn't always work out for everybody. <laughs> no, I, I think the concept of it is nice. And, you know, it's not that I don't believe in it, but I just don't think that it would be the right thing for me. And a lot of it also is just, um, well, I mean, I've detailed like family shit a lot on this podcast, you know, so uh, I feel like everybody know, already knows all my issues. So <laughs> don't worry. Um, same here. Don't worry. Yeah. So those were, would not be things that I would want to pass on to my kids. And no, I wouldn't want to become my dad, you know, so. Right. I hear you. I respect it. Absolutely. Well, next, let's talk rings. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. <laughs> Little Beyonce break there. Back when you had come close to getting married, did you think about what you wanted your wedding ring to look like? I did. Oh, you did. Let's hear what it, a Superman logo or something on it. No, um, maybe I would get that now. But at that time, I wanted a um, white gold skull ring. Oh, that sounds freaking badass. Yeah. Okay. I still want that for you. Who cares? <laughs> Bright or not, get that shit. <laughs> yeah, it looked pretty badass. Yeah, for sure. All right. Although I have seen those Superman ones, the Superman wedding rings, and they look fucking badass too. They're very cool. I completely agree. I saw uh, some come up on my on my Instagram feed. I was like, oh, Jose needs us. He does. <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> well, engagement rings were worn on the left hand of the ring finger because it was believed back when uh, ancient Egyptians had believed that there was a vein that would run from that finger straight to the heart. It was called the vena amoris, but obviously that's not true. But we still do it today. Weird, right? Yeah. And you didn't say what type of ring you wanted. Oh, I didn't. I think back in the day, I always really loved just the plain wedding band with a solitaire, like one. But then I remember watching like Blood Diamond and I was like, oh shit, that kind of sucks. <laughs> so then I was like, oh, maybe it'll just be like a lab grown diamond. But now after reading this, I'm like, oh my God, maybe I just want a wedding band. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think some bands can be really, really beautiful. And it's more about the symbol than like the size of the rock and all that jazz, right? I mean, they're pretty and sparkly, don't get me wrong. But no, I don't think, I think just a plain band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm also not a big fan of the whole blood diamond and the whole De Beers industry and all that shit. So I know that I would not want a diamond on my ring. Oh, okay. There are lab-grown ones, though. So how do you feel about those? There's no, no, um, no one's mining, no one's risking their life for it. Nah, I think I would just want, I, I would actually want silver more than white gold. But at that time, uh, the, the girlfriend that I had, she was like, no, it's got to be gold. I was like, well, if it's got to be gold, then it's got to be white gold because I don't want it to look like gold. I think gold looks kind of tacky. No offense to anybody that likes gold, but I think gold looks like cheap and tacky. Well, a gold skull would definitely look like something, but a silver skull is definitely more metal, like metal, metal. 
A hundred percent more metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I read two different things. So I will present both things. Anthropologists believe that engagement rings started back in Roman times where women would wear a ring with a small key that signified they were owned. Then a Reader's Digest article said that it started with ancient Egyptians. So I don't, I don't really know which one is the truth. I'm going to put both of them in the show notes and let you guys duke it out in the, in the comments if you want. <laughs> <laughs> a fight to the death. That's right. We're going to be there with popcorn, reading all your comments. <laughs> so in 1477, Archduke of Austria was the first one to commission a diamond engagement ring. But they still were not at all the standard gem that we see dominating the market today, which begs the question, how in the heck did diamonds get to this tippity top spot that it is today? Let's fast forward to 1877 where we can pinpoint the exact man that was responsible for this tradition that we see today. 17-year-old British Cecil Rhodes, he was sent to South Africa where he founded the notorious De Beers Diamond Company that you were talking about. Rhodes very strategically started buying all the competitors. Thus, they were responsible for not only just mining a lot of them, but they were also owning the ones that were being produced. So they were basically like a monopoly. He controlled 90% of the diamonds within 20 years. That's pretty fast, I think, for 90% of the diamonds. Yeah. They sold primarily to one diamond syndicate, which was able to control the price. Again, this is exactly what a monopoly is. Quickly thereafter was the Great Depression, and nobody was buying diamonds, basically. Of course, we would easily infer that. In fact, people were selling their diamonds, further tanking the price of diamonds since it was all supply and no demand. It was 1947 when one of the best marketing slogans came out. A diamond is forever, quote unquote. To convey the value of a diamond and insinuating to pass it on as an heirloom as opposed to selling it. By the time Madonna was making us vogue, right? 80% of American brides got a diamond engagement ring. 80%, that's fucking huge. Can you believe that? I can. I remember the those marketing pushes where they would talk about the diamond being forever and is a two month salary too much to pay for something that's eternal or some bullshit like that. Yes, yes, I've seen that too. Yeah. Now the answer seems conditional to that other '90s uh, song, "Can I Kick It?" Right? It's like it dominated the charts back in the '90s. I know you don't know who that is. It's a tribe called Quest, but super friend Josh knows who it is. <laughs> anyway, due to very clear success by the diamond company that ran that slogan in 1967, sorry, 1947. In Japan, they also did it in 1967. And at that time, only 10% of the brides got a diamond ring. But by 1987, again, 20 years later, 70% had that shiny piece of carbon on their ring. That's a huge jump from 10% to 70%. That's very effective. Copy and paste that same thing into China and same exact results. So that's really how you kind of world dominate just by really effective marketing. Let's cut to our commercial break. And then when we return, we'll get into wedding dresses. I mean, not us personally, right? But we'll get into the wedding dress history. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, nobody wants to see me in a wedding dress. <laughs> come on, let's come on. We're going to go viral on that shit. <laughs> like the bearded lady and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> 
Hey everyone, I'm Kelly. And I'm Emily, and we're from Whining About History. Ever notice how women seem to be missed, forgotten, or maybe even purposely left out of history books? We did, so we decided to take the his out of history and make it herstory. Each episode, we discuss the lives and general awesomeness of these historical wonder women, all while having a glass of wine. Or maybe a bottle. Come join us on all of your favorite podcast platforms at WAHpod on Instagram, WAH underscore pod on Twitter, and at whiningaboutherstory.com. Remember, that's no H or E in whining. See you, See you soon. soon. Cheers! And we're back! We're back! <laughs> Did you buy any diamond rings? I bought all the diamond rings. <laughs> Do you think you would be one of those people that would wear like a pinky ring or something like that? Like balling so hard, you know, <laughs> in Jay-Z's terms. No, I also think that looks very cheap and tacky. <laughs> oh, it's very mafioso, I think. <laughs> yeah, no. As you've probably noticed, I don't wear any jewelry. It wasn't until the smart watches came out that I started wearing watches again, but I didn't wear watches forever. And mainly I got a smartwatch just because I thought it would be cool to mess around with all the little buttons and, you know, the little programs and everything. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Leave it to you to just, you're like, it boils down to technology and it's a little technical device toy. I get it. Yeah. I like jewelry. I think it's fun and pretty. So, yeah. But I don't wear watches. Although I think watches are really pretty. I should probably get back into watches. We'll see. Next, we're getting into wedding dresses. Well, way, way back, women didn't really buy a brand new gown for the occasion. They would basically just wear the prettiest dress they had. It was really more about practicality. Before the 1940s, it was really common to see bright colored wedding dresses. Um, and again, they were they normally had to be reusable. In medieval times, get this shit, as the bride went out of like the church, the attendees would tear off a piece of the dress, leaving the bride in like tatters. Like she fought Wolverine and she didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> this was some type of fertility ritual. Isn't that crazy? That is. But it made it easier on the husband, though, for the wedding night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're like, ooh, now you look sexy, all fucking dilapidated. <laughs> Actually, this is why the bouquet used to be tossed to distract the attendees as you would run out so you can get out kind of unharmed as possible. <laughs> That's wild, right? <laughs> the bouquet back in the day was really a bundle of aromatic herbs and spices. Uh, it was really meant to ward off bad luck, bad spirits, and bad health. So it was more superstitious. And it doubled also to hide the funky body odor. Ew. Back then, from what I read, they only bathed about once a week. And that's kind of graduating from stink to stink. I don't know. That's like Mina Kunis and uh, Ashton Kutcher, no? They only bathe like once or twice a week. What? Is that true? I'm pretty sure that was on that um, Dax Shepard podcast you made me listen to. Oh my God, that's disgusting. <laughs> I didn't, I don't think I heard that. Now I got to re-listen to that again. Oh, nasty. Yeah, they were saying that they only like bathe like once or twice a week or something. And I was like, mm, yeah, that's pretty gross. You're like, I used to like you. Now I don't think <laughs> you're as pretty. <laughs> that's funny. During the reception, the bride and groom would eat pieces of the bouquet as they thought it would be an aphrodisiac. Interesting. Queen Victoria was one of the first ones to wear a white dress when she married Prince Albert. If you want to get specific, she actually wore champagne, the color champagne, but basically it's white. The queen made it clear only her and her bridesmaids could wear white to the wedding, which is 
actually still very much an unspoken rule today. I don't know if you knew that, but women that are just regular attendees are not supposed to wear white. I don't know if I knew that particular detail. I did know that uh, there was that old-fashioned detail about it, that if the bride was a virgin, they were the only ones who were allowed to wear white. That whole, like, symbolism. Right, right. It's like the purity and all that stuff. And if they weren't, they had to wear, like, an off-white color. But I don't think anybody cares or ever follows that. No, not especially not these days, for sure. White dresses back in those days were only for the wealthy because of how expensive it was to keep clean. Also, Queen Victoria was really influential because instead of using the herbs and spices that people used to carry or women used to carry, she was the first one to carry flowers with a little bit of moss around it. There you go. Game changer. In Eastern countries like China, red wedding dresses is common as it symbolizes wealth and good fortune. That would be badass. I think red is beautiful. That's one of my favorite colors. Yeah, I would prefer red to white any day. For sure. Last topic is why did women start taking a man's last name? You want to take a gander? I'm not sure, but I always felt it like it was like property. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. Way, way, way back, like Dark Ages, 500 to 1000 AD, last names weren't really much of a thing at all. Population was really low. So if someone in a village was like, hey, you know, Tony, and it wasn't like, oh, which Tony? You know, <laughs> there's only one Tony. It's like, oh, you know. <laughs> so you didn't really need last names. As population started to grow, last names became more necessary. So then they were like, oh, Tony Baloney. Okay, I know that guy, right? Or whatever. Tony the Tiger, bitch. Tony the Herrera. Yeah. <laughs> As last names became common, women took the man's last name simply put because they had to. As you mentioned, they were the man's property. A woman legally had no identity. Traditionally speaking, from birth, they had their father's last name. And then when they were given off to another man, that was when it changed. It was at that particular time when the woman ceased to exist legally. Married women could own nothing. Not their own clothes, not even their own bodies, meaning husbands could have sex with their wives whenever they wanted, even if she didn't want to, you know, basically green lighting rape. Women also did not have any rights to the children they bore. That was so upsetting to read. By the 18th and 19th century, women were challenging the custom in British colonies. By 1882, women first got the right to choose their surname and have the right to property deeds, bank accounts, and it was in the Married Women's Property Act of 1882. That's, it feels kind of recent. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that either. Fast forward to today. It's not totally unheard of that a man takes the woman's last name. It's really tiny numbers. It's about less than 3% of men, but still kind of interesting. How do you feel about that? She has a really cool last name. I wouldn't mind changing it. Duh. She'd have to be like, like Lisa Death Metal. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I mean, I'm not particularly attached to mine, so it doesn't matter. Personally, I know a lot of women on both sides of the coin that took their husband's last name and those who did not. Some women I spoke to pointed out that it was important for them to have the same last names as their kids. One woman said she wasn't particularly attached to her maiden name, like you had mentioned. Uh, another wanted to completely cup ties with her family. And uh, that seems like a perfect way to do it. She's like shedding the skin of her family, which I get. There really are a myriad of reasons why women still do that today, even though it's not the law. And I think it's really cool that what started out kind of fucked up, to be perfectly <laughs> plain, uh, women still do it 
to serve their own purpose now. So that's kind of cool. And a special thanks to the lovely ladies that I know that shared their own reasons with me. Thank you so much. So out of everything that we've chatted, the dress, the bouquet, the diamonds, the last name, the ghost uh, marriages, what did you find most interesting or shocking? Well, definitely the ghost marriages was not something that I was ever aware of. Yeah, freaky. Yeah, and I think that is very weird. But no, everything was very interesting. At first, when you said you were going to be talking about weddings, I was like, uh, you know, maybe I should reach for, uh, you know, Action Comics number 1000 or whatever, you know. <laughs> right, right. You're going to start playing with your monitos back there. <laughs> your dolls, yeah. <laughs> but no, it was very interesting. Oh, good. I'm glad. One of my recent guilty pleasures is Married at First Sight. So it's really interesting to see people like talking about all these things that are playing out like, oh, I didn't like this ring or are you going to take my last name? And I'm like, oh, all these things are fault. Like, it was so neat to see all the things I had just researched kind of falling into this kind of TV junk <laughs> that I like to watch. <laughs> yeah, no, and it is very interesting. And I'm sure that everybody has their own reasons. And I know that I kind of shit on a lot of things like jewelry and, you know, the <laughs> last name and everything. But I mean, that's just my opinion. And you know what they say about opinions? They're like buttholes. Yeah, opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one and they all stink. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't hear that last part. <laughs> Mine smell like roses. I don't know where you're getting your information from. <laughs> I have a bidet, so. Oh, there you go. There you go. Awesome. All clean and squeaky clean for all your future girlfriends. <laughs> Fear not. <laughs> On that lovely high note, <laughs> or low note, depending on why you think of it. Congratulations, lovelies. You've done it again, folks. You've learned along with us loads of wedding fun facts to share the next time you're at a wedding. We hope you've been entertained by our chat and invite you to join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. Follow us on all the socials at Greetings. T-A-C. Email us at greetingstac at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669 if you have a story to share with us about a wedding or your own wedding. Oh. Or your honeymoon. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I wanted to feel like I was included in this. <laughs> I, I liked it, yeah. 